0: You're listening to Distilling Theology. I'm Blake. And I'm Justin.
1: And this is a podcast pairing discussions of theology and distilled spirits.
0: And dad jokes. Amen. What's wrong with you people?
1: You're not David. I don't know why you're clapping. I'm talking about you. Fatality.
0: You know... Starting a podcast about theology and distilled spirits is whiskey
2: business.
0: (laughs) I said that with a straight face. Distilling theology.
1: Welcome back, boys and girls. Been far too long. I am here today to speak with you one on one, mano y mano. Just kidding, I'm also joined by my handsome and wonderful and dear friend, my Presbyterian friend, my co-host, my fellow warrior, my fellow warrior poet, as it were, <laughs> Blake, courtray brother, how are you doing? Good, man.
0: Once again, we are recording on the afternoon of the Lord's Day, which is strange and, and enjoyable and wonderful. Um, I had a very long day on Saturday I was telling you about beforehand so feeling a little little groggy today but that's okay Um, because we're going to be reading confessions and scripture today and hopefully I can just kind of get out of the way and let the text of scripture speak and then let our confessional standards be a a helpful study tool as we as we consider uh, the word uh, who became flesh Uh, so I'm I'm pretty hyped about that man how about you how you doing?
1: good it's been uh it's been a good week it's been um fun had a lot of fun with my my kiddo today. We um went to church planted some flowers um I've just kind of enjoyed the day and um yeah otherwise it's been it's been a pretty good week um we spoke this morning um in church the sermon was on romans eleven uh, verses eleven through fifteen um, 16 gets a little bit interesting, um, but good, but we uh, we decided to, my dad decided to, I say we, because he and I discussed it at great length this week, <laughs> going through that together, um, but he decided to to wait to jump into 16 until next week, um, but it was fantastic, fantastic, it was a lot of fun, um, and other than that, I mean, it's very sunny today, it's beautiful, it you guys may hear the Fife and Drum Corps playing in the background. Uh, unfortunately, that's beyond my control. Uh, yeah. Other than that, how was how was the Lord's Day for you, man?
0: Bro, it was so good. Um, our pastor is preaching through James right now. So, or the the uh, associate pastor is preaching through James, and today he went through James chapter three, verses one through twelve, and I, man talk about like <laughs> someone said it it's like going to the spiritual chiropractor reading James it's like it's good for you but uh, man it hurts and it's a little bit yeah. uncomfortable cuz you're like oh did you just like crack my neck like am i going <laughs> to what are you doing to me yeah. Yeah. uh so James 3 just just absolutely brutal like if if we have any pride or we think that we're really something just just read James in general but specifically yeah. James 3 cuz yeah his whole comment about Like, look at the ships. They're so large and driven by strong winds, but they're guided by a little tiny rudder. And the tongue is a small member, but it boasts of great things. And our pastor was drawing out, like, the tongue and what we say, right? Because out of the outflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? And so what we say is a reflection of our heart, and it directs our paths, like, in many, many ways. So the things that we speak about—and I I felt really convicted about that, like, the idle words that I have— um the sinful words that i have it's like man
1: yeah I well that, am not that good interestingly <laughs> that interestingly ties in uh to some degree to what we're going through in Romans 11 mm. um talking about the gentiles being grafted in right um paul just had gone through explaining um to the jews right that that they have benefit in being jews and that they were given the oracles of god and yet in adam they're all <laughs> sinners like the rest of us and so that the in 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 terms of our justification they're no better off and then because the jews have rejected the gospel that they've been given right god grafts in the gentiles and there's kind of this back and forth between jews and gentiles and jews and gentiles until in the end we are unified as one people in the resurrection but it was just kind of a really cool um really cool section of of scripture there talking about how i mean consider how amazing it is it god's providence right god's decrees and his his sovereignty that the fact that the jews were decreed to fall away so that we may be grafted in right and we should be grateful that the jews fell away well at the same time we should be joyful that there's going to be the restoration of of uh, spiritual israel um from the jewish people uh when we are unified together in the end which is cool um so yeah it, it was neat it was neat to see amen yeah, um and agreed, I think it, it removes any ability of being proud. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, man. Very good, man. Very yeah. Good.
0: I also felt this like conviction reading that. Um, I, was, I was telling my wife about it on the way home. It's like our social media and technology to communicate is in and of itself like a relatively neutral tool. Sure. However, I think it, particularly platforms like Twitter and things that are geared towards very short engagement, I think it fuels the exact kind of problems. Like it feeds to that duality where he says, you know, out of one side of the mouth, we bless God. Yeah. And then with the same tongue, we curse the image of God in others, which is great. Like it's nuts, but it that's yeah. what we do. That's who we are. And I think that social media and things like Twitter can really exacerbate that. And that's, you know, Twitter is the opposite of slow to slow to, speaking quick to listen like it's speak as quick as you can and talk over the other person um so i'm feeling feeling some some conviction this morning
2: um so
1: what you're saying is you actually. ended on a spiritual high oh. speaking of high oh <laughs> what are we drinking today, whoa, Blake? that was
0: man <laughs> wow what a transition uh we are drinking high west double rye (laughs) this was sent to us by a friend of ours a friend of the show our our boy sam uh not renahan um (laughs) and uh this is a barrel select from total wine according to the label he sent us it was finished for a year and two months in used barreled manhattan barrels uh bottled at 100 proof or i guess 100.4 proof at 50.2 percent alcohol by volume It does not have an age statement on it, but that's okay. It's been a while since we've gone awry on this show.
1: (laughs) Uh,
0: So, Justin, what do you get on the nose?
1: Uh, Let's see here. Okay, well, I mean, it smells like a rye. (laughs) You know, you got that rye spice. Caramel.
0: I was gonna say I get the, the typical rye apples, but there's also um Yeah, there's citrus there. There's also from the Manhattan, um, there's a little bit more baking spice and a little bit of like stone fruit, maybe like some cherries going on. Um, more influence from stuff sitting in that Manhattan barrel. Maybe a touch of like I don't know, not not chocolate, but maybe like
1: cocoa. Brown sugar, maybe?
0: Yeah. Those are, there's there's some darker sweetness happening there. Yeah, it's nice. I'm excited to sip this. This is pretty great.
1: There's there's even a mild kind of alcohol burn. Yeah, it's I see not, that a little. Yeah, it's not bad, but it's no. it's it took me by surprise.
0: <laughs> surprise. Well, on that note, uh, <laughs> let's take a sip and uh, get into it. Get after it. All right. Let's do. Cheers. <phone rings> Folks, I wish you were on Patreon right now so you could see both of our faces when we sit. <laughs> wow.
1: Yeah, that surprised me.
0: We got like dates and plums.
1: That's good. Yeah. It's That's like a, it's warming. like the caramel meats, plums meats, citrus meats, <laughs> spices meats. A lot of things <laughs> happen. Yeah, here. dark. A lot of the dark fruits. Uh, dar- darker than than I. It's not what I expected from the nose at all.
0: Yeah, that's uh, and the the finish is long and warming.
1: Um, yeah, Only hint of there's a hint of char.
0: Yeah, and that taste in the palate afterwards is pretty pleasant. It's a little bit oaky, um, a little bit rye spicy, but predominantly it's just like a creamy mouthfeel, and I get more of that caramel after the fact, um, after the finish.
1: That's that's really good. I want more. I like that a lot. I want more. Mmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, so I get like those
0: very crisp slightly tart apples and the rye spice right at the front. Mm-hmm. A little oaky and then through the middle it sweetens up with those dates and plums and brown sugar, caramel, and then it finishes. It starts a little bit dry as it finishes, but then it sweetens up as, as it lingers. Um, that's really good.
1: Yeah. That's phenomenal. I like that a lot.
0: I like that a lot.
1: Makes me want I'm very pleased. Very, very pleased.
0: Yeah. It makes me want to get that Sam. barrel out again.
1: And uh, now I'm going to go buy a bottle somewhere. I'm
0: going to go spend some more money. Um, but yeah, on that note,
1: wow. Yeah, thanks, brother, for sending that to us. Great.
0: That was so good. I love it. Very, very good. And before we jump into the meat of the episode, I want to lead us in some prayer here from the Valley of Vision. This is, uh, I forget which edition I have, but this is on page 44, and it's titled, The Love of Jesus. Let us pray. O Father of Jesus, Help me to approach thee with deepest reverence, not with presumption, not with servile fear, but with holy boldness. Thou art beyond the grasp of my understanding, but not beyond that of my love. Thou knowest that I love thee supremely, for thou art supremely adorable, good, perfect. My heart melts at the love of Jesus. My brother, Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, Married to me, dead for me, risen for me. He is mine, and I am his, Given to me as well as for me. I am never so much mine as when I am his, Nor so much lost to myself until lost in him. Then I find my true manhood. But my love is frost and cold, ice and snow, Let his love warm me, lighten my burden, be my heaven. May it be more revealed to me in all its influences that my love to him may be more fervent and glowing. Let the mighty tide of his everlasting love cover the rocks of my sin and care. Then let my spirit float above those things which had else wrecked my life. Make me fruitful by living to that love my character becoming more beautiful every day if traces of christ's love artistry be upon me may he work on me may he work on with his divine brush until the complete image be obtained and i be made a perfect copy of him my master o lord jesus come to me o divine spirit rest upon me o holy father look on me in mercy for the sake of the well-beloved amen Amen. man that that uh, statement i love that there's so many good things in here but that one that stood to me was uh help me approach with deepest reverence not presumption but also not servile fear but holy boldness like having healthy godly reverence and fear but it's not a servile fear and holy boldness is not presumption I love that so much because I think so so often in my own prayer life, I've experienced kind of either extreme of that and to learn to walk as one who has been redeemed, who is being sanctified and yet who is a sinner who stands purely on the basis of God's grace and love. Like, ah, it's so good. So, so convicting.
1: I I particularly love the line when it's down here, it says, I am never so much mine as when I am his or so Mm -hmm. much lost to myself until lost in him. then I find my true manhood. Mm -hmm. I love that with, 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 with this day and age where manhood is under attack and, and men are mocked for merely being men, but also you have the contrast of men trying to be men without Christ. Mm -hmm. And you end up either hyper machismo (laughs) or super uh, effeminate And, and there's no balance. Right. But when we are in Christ, we have this beautiful balance of, of of humbleness and repentance and mm. and recognizing that our our manhood is only in Christ, yes. and that through Him we can truly be who we are called to be uh, as men. Which I think is tremendous. Yeah, man. That.
0: Yeah, it's like that's the thing. Like you're gonna have, you know, we could talk about this in another episode. Like I think there are certain general revelation, general principles, right? Yeah. But then at the end of the day, like there are some guys that are accountants. Who are like more bookish you know who, and then there's guys that are really strong and, and out on the front lines in military or police or fire like putting themselves in danger um, and yeah. so you have these different extremes, but yet both both of these kind of where the culture might say one or the other is better, both men if they are subjected to Christ, find their full Identity as men in Christ, not necessarily in their vocation, right? Or their dispositions. Sure. And sure. certainly if we have sinful dispositions and either, either that like domineering, um, you know, you talked about the the like self-righteous machismo or the like self-righteous effeminacy, right? I, either extreme, we subject those things to Christ.
2: Yeah.
0: And ultimately we find our true expression in Christ and in his model, right? Because Christ, Christ turned over tables. Christ confronted hypocrisy with a firm yeah. hand, but he was also gentle and lowly to those who were downtrodden and who sure. were crushed by the weight of the law. Because he comes Absolutely. to those who recognize their need, right?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> and that's yeah. it, you know.
1: So speaking so of Christ. oh. <laughs> oh uh, we're going to continue on uh, in Christology here, mm. talking about Christ, our mediator, mm-hmm. right the one and only mediator.: Yes. Um, and so we decided we thought we would look at, uh, at our confessions, our respective confessions, read through them, uh, and then speak uh, on them, speak from them, uh, and, and look at the scripture, some of the scripture here associated with such, um, because again, this is a tremendously important doctrine, right? Uh, Christ being our mediator. Uh, is the only hope that we have <laughs> yeah. and so getting this right is is one of the most important um important topics that we can discuss so uh Blake, I don't know if you want to start with the Westminster, and I can look always a Baptist, and we will hey <laughs> save the best for last and Ooh. then uh <laughs> and then uh we can compare the two sure uh that? it's gonna be article um yeah chapter eight chapter eight one. right article starting ch- article one um yeah we can' it'll be great. I also got them both pulled up here just for, you know, my man. Yeah. Before we even do that,
0: I just want to (laughs) jump into first Timothy chapter two real quick here. Sure. Um, Just because I think this is right. This is going to give us a framework that we're starting from scripture and then moving into our confessions as a way to study and, and I think Mm. faithfully exposit the scripture. Right. But ultimately the confessions say, and we say this every week, but like, it's so important. The confessions are really, I think really great exegesis. I think they're biblically sound. I think they are authoritative because they are subservient to the scriptures and because they are simply expositing what the scriptures are saying because it's not because they have any authority in themselves or the 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 baptist convention or the 1689 baptists or the westminster divines have any authority in themselves they're authoritative because they're expositing faithfully God's Word.
1: Well, this is why they start, those confessions start (laughs) with the Holy Scriptures. (laughs) My man, my man. Putting them in their own place.
0: And so I'll start with the Scripture here. This is 1 Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 1. I'm reading from the English Standard Version.
1: The Elect Standard Version?
0: Yes, sir. He says, (laughs) First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a a peaceful and quiet life Now there's a whole bunch in that text, and I just wanna and I you know we we've talked about verse uh verse four in uh our Calvinistic episode, so if you wanna know about Calvinism relating to uh all people be desiring all to be saved, we could talk about that, but what's the key here right for there's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all which is the testimony given at the proper time. So when we talk about our testimony, like, yeah, we have our personal stories and those are useful. But when we say we're, we're preserving by the word of our testimony, that's not my story of how I came to Christ. That's the testimony of Jesus Christ right. and his finished Precisely. work, right? And so we, we, we've, we've fallen into that. And, and I think as we reflect on Christ and our Christology, one of, the, one of the most beautiful things for me about Reformed theology is our high Christology. And is is recognizing, whether we're, we're the London Baptist or the Westminster or the Dutch, we recognize Christ as the content of Scripture. The, the logos, the Word, became flesh and dwelt yeah. among us, right? And, yeah. and how did God create? Right, and, By the Word. Yeah. And so yeah. Christ is central here. The Father is glorifying the Son. The Son is glorifying the Father. The Spirit is manifest in the life of believers, conforming us to the image of Christ, glorifying God the Father and God the Son. And it's so, so good.
1: I Yeah, I, I actually, like you, I have uh, Reformed Dogmatics pulled up here. Yeah, boy. And this is just perfect timing to jump into this. Um, In volume three, on page 238, uh, it starts off specifically with the covenant of grace also differs from this covenant of works mm. in that it has a mediator mm. who not only unites God and humanity together, but prior... To this reconciles the two mm. so restoring the broken fellowship between them yes. right so this mediatorship is essential absolutely essential it says also with respect to this doctrine of, of mediatorship holy scriptures does not stand alone but is supported and confirmed on all sides by mm. ideas concerning such a mediatorship and the religions of all peoples <laughs> which like it's it's amazing yeah <laughs> Con- consider what happens when things are true right Generally speaking, the words and deeds of great men as such already have extraordinary significance for the life and development of the nations and so on. How important is this mediatorship mm. in, in, in all of human history, in, in all of redemptive history, right? Uh, so, so much so that, that it's inescapable, even, even in even the world religions, <laughs> right? Um, I love that. Yeah, I love that.
0: Well, the Bavink is just crystal clear and orthodox as always, like just stellar. And yeah, yeah it is. My wife and I were talking about this today, speaking about, cause our pastor had mentioned in, in passing Romans 10, right? Uh, if you believe in your heart that Christ is Lord and confess with your mouth, right? That the tongue that God uses the instrument that James is saying, and, and Jesus preaches about it, uh, the instrument of the tongue that is both, a, pr- pronounces blessings and curses that, from which all blasphemies come, from which the heart spills out, right? This thing that we use for sin, God in his providence, by his means, uses it in repentance, right? That we confess our sins. We use the very instrument that we have sinned with to turn to God, to, to, to repurpose, right? It was so yeah. beautiful. But in that, uh, my wife was saying, you know, I, I used to, Growing up, I would I would like cling to that verse because someone gave me the kids' version of Left Behind, and it just terrified me. And as I was <laughs> reading it, I th- I'm like, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to hell at any moment if I'm not just like <laughs> repeating this. And it it's like one of the greatest things I found in Reformed theology, and we talked about this a few weeks ago with Lordship Salvation in the group, is that it's not you are not saved by your faithfulness to Christ. You are not saved. Because you said a prayer, you are not saved because you uh, are, are gripping to Christ so tightly. We're saved because Christ holds his sheep and he will yes. lose none of those the Father has given him, right? That's John uh, 6 and John 10. Jesus doesn't lose his sheep. And because of that, our good works flow out. Those works that we were predestined in God's love to walk in, we walk in them joyously because christ holds us and so yeah. who is this mediator right let's get into it let's I'm
2: well so and,
1: and and that and that defeats the argument that you know I, the common argument against calvinism that well you can do whatever you want because you're oh. you're saved no matter what and you know it's like no <laughs> right know, no wonder just say you don't understand reform theology <laughs> oh snap <laughs> oh. got him well, yeah, let's let's get into these confessions Here, go yeah ahead. man
0: yeah man that's a uh, that well that's part of the beauty of having these confessional standards right is then we don't have to come up with lordship salvation as right. a problematic errant works leaning way to deal with antinomianism yeah right like these are not new controversies yep. um just go pick up the whole Christ by Sinclair Ferguson and then pick up the the marrow of modern divinity um to get the full story but like these are not new things. The church has wrestled with this, and I think come to very sound conclusions. And so, let's get into that. Yeah. So, this is Westminster Confession of Faith, Chapter Eight of Christ the Mediator, starting in Article One. And I'm reading this on ReformedStandards dot com. Plug for them. Just go over there and dude, best get after it.
1: best resource on on the internet. It's great.
0: It's so good. It should be your homepage, really. After <laughs> after uh, Bible Gateway. <laughs> Oh, You're no. right. Why is it
1: my homepage? What the I heck? I don't know. Not-
0: what am I doing? What the yeah, heck? What I oh, doing with I just, my life? The only thing is, I just changed the dimensions of my browser, and now I lost it. I, I scrolled way nice. way out of there. Okay, here we go. That was user user error. You know, we
1: call that an ID10T error. <laughs>
0: Whoa. All right, here we go. Uh, of Christ the Mediator, it pleased God in His eternal purpose to choose and ordain the Lord Jesus, His only begotten Son. To be the mediator between God and men, the prophet, priest, and king, the head and savior of his church, the heir of all things, and judge of the world, unto whom he did from all eternity give a people to be his seed, and to be by him in time redeemed, called, justified, sanctified, and glorified. That is quite a statement. That's like that we may only get through this article i'm gonna be
2: honest (laughs)
0: yeah uh wow what a there there is so much in those words there's so much here um so so obviously article eight is following article two right so we know that when it says it pleased god and his eternal purpose We're speaking about the triune God, we're speaking about what we call in in Reformed theology the covenant of redemption or the pactum salutis, right? This eternal covenant between Father, Son, and Spirit before time began, right? And in that, the Father elects to send the Son, the Son chooses to come and become incarnate to save the people, and the Spirit chooses to come and indwell those people. And, sanct- yeah. and, and, and regenerate them and sanctify them and preserve them under glorification conforming them to the image of Christ to the glory of God the Father like it's so beautiful Bela. I'm getting chills yeah. like oh. yeah
1: Woo. well the, the only real distinction between the two confessions there is that the, the London Baptist adds that it's according to the covenant made between them mm. right this Ooh. is a fulfillment of scripture this is a fulfillment of the things that were that were prophesied hundreds and thousands of years before mm. they came to pass but that shows the beauty of God's eternal decrees, and that the fact that this that this is exactly how He intended things to be, mm. right? And that He He <laughs> that He would He would decree a mediator to even exist, right? Mm. That He that He would be the mediator. I, I mean, all these things are just mind blowing, right? Um, Bro, and and this flies directly in the face of things like the like the Roman doctrines, right? Yeah, the, these 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 ideas that you can. Or that you should pray to to other saints, to other dead people, right? As though they're going to mediate on your behalf. Why? Why would you bother? Oh, snap. if Christ is your mediator, bro, right?
0: <laughs> bro, I saw a tweet uh, from some papist that was like, "What better mediator did you have uh, than the mother of Jesus herself?" <laughs> and someone just goes, I-, "I don't know. How about Jesus Himself?" <laughs> Like, bro. <laughs>
1: yeah, think about that. For why a are second. you
0: making it so complicated?
1: <laughs> it's it's like praying with extra steps.
0: <laughs> yeah, and less effective steps. Yeah. Like, what are we doing? Um, yeah. I, I I can't help myself. I gotta go to Ephesians one. I got I gotta I gotta. Here we go. Okay. This is Ephesians one three. Oh. blessed be okay. the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in in Christ. So right, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ blessed us in Christ.
1: Oh, the timing.
0: Bro, it's so good, right? Yeah. According to the purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him. That is in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth, right? Yes. that's. This is the eternal purpose. So when people say, oh, well, where, what do you mean the covenant between the Father, Son, and Spirit? Like, it, there it is. Ephesians right. 1. And there's other passages we could turn to. We could talk about Christ saying, Father, glorify me with the glory I had with you before the world began and those that the father all those the father gives to me come to me and I will lose none that he has given me right John 6 Jesus is our rock our anchor our high priest our mediator I love that man let's let's get let's keep going here man eternal purpose to choose and ordain the Lord Jesus Christ his only son to be the mediator between God and man let's get into those <laughs> next phrases there I know we've talked about these but I can never tire of talking about the offices of Christ, the threefold offices, as it were.
1: <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So obviously, in addition, right between, in addition to being our mediator, right, he is, um, and, and, and we've talked about this before, but he is, he is our greater prophet, right? He is our greater priest. He's the greater king, right? He's the head of the church, right? And the heir of all things. What, what do those things mean, right? I mean, we see these things um, uh, in shadow, right, in, in the Old Covenant being looked forward to. But now we're seeing these things in their fulfillment in Christ because Christ is those things. We don't, we don't confess our sins to a priest because we have the greater priest to confess our sins to, right? Um, we, <laughs> we, 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 we bow to who as our king right we don't bow before other men and swear fealty towards them because we have a king mm. that we've done this to right um in in Christ is is referred to there's so many names that he's referred to in scripture just right the son of man the son of god all these offices um it's i don't know it's it's mind blowing
0: bro there's so many here let me let me give you this is from Wikipedia, so I know it's going to be really useful here.
1: Right? <laughs> this is how you know it's good. This is
0: how you know it's good. But like, look at this for a second, right? So, names. We have Jesus. We have Emmanuel. Yeah. Titles. And, and this is a very short list. This list yeah, is so much longer. By the way,
1: life. guys, Christ is also a, a title. Yep. This right? is the way. He's, it's not his last name. <laughs> right, right. right. Right? Christ, that's, that's, that's who he is. He is the Christ. Well, oftentimes, you may hear, hear us refer to him as Jesus the Christ, yeah, because that's what he is. Yeah. Here's this very ahead.
0: short list, right? We have Christ, Lord, Master, Logos, the Word, Son of God, Son of Man, Son of David, Lamb of God, New Adam, Second Adam, Last Adam, Light of the World, King of the Jews, Rabbi. Mind you, he's also called so many other things, Emmanuel, God, with us, right, the Lord is salvation, yeah. his His name, right? There are so many things happening here. And I wanted to go back to, to Bavink here in Reformed Dogmatics, Volume 3, uh, from Chapter 7, mm-hmm. speaking more about Christ. This is page 364. He says, the Son is a mediator, not according to his divine nature as such, as being one, in, one with and equal to the Father and the Spirit, but according to that divine nature by dispensation, quote, to the extent that by a voluntary dispensation of grace, it uh, submits to it. Scripture accordingly repeatedly calls Christ in his divine nature the subject of humiliation, and the Church Fathers express themselves in a similar spirit. Augustine, Lombard, and Aquinas believe nothing other than that Christ was and could be a mediator, not by his divine nature as such, in isolation from his human nature, but only as the incarnate Son of God. In the end, the Catholic theologians themselves again had to defend against this view, against a... Somebody I can't pronounce that, but he says here, concealed here is still another difference for if Christ is only a mediator in his human nature, as these two people claimed, um, he could not <laughs> have been a mediator before his incarnation, but only began to be this, the moment of his conception. In effect, therefore, the Old Testament period was without a mediator. But though it is true that Christ became flesh only in the fullness of time, he was chosen and appointed as the mediator from eternity Oh, man, there's so many other things happening here, but that that line, right? That And that's very classic Bavinck, right? He shows the error on the one side, saying, oh, Christ is only a mediator according to divinity or, or humanity, and then teaches us through it, right? It's like Christ is a mediator distinctly because of the incarnation, but right. it's not as though he only started mediating in the incarnation.
1: Right. right? Right. I mean it, even the even the Lutherans got this right. <laughs> oh, the, we love our Lutheran brothers I know, and sisters. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, but the, and that's in opposition to the to the papists yep. who were maintaining that Christ was only mediator in his human nature. Right? Yep. Um, but they still had to admit that Christ is mediator. I right? think they, hmm. they couldn't get away from that, but yep. um, but they, but right, that's tremendously important that this is something that Christ is has always it's part of his nature, right? It's part of not just his human nature, but his nature as God. Um, and his nature as the sun.
0: Mm. And speaking of that, let's get into these, these three titles here or these three offices of Christ, which if, if you're new to reform theology, you may have never heard this kind of terminology before. Um, I know I, I had heard some of these terms tossed around, but they didn't really have any substantial meaning, <laughs> right? I, there was no content. They were just words, but this idea that he's the mediator between God and man, the prophet, priest, and, and king. king uh so we can go ahead and start to unpack those right what are these terms and what does it mean for us that Christ the son, the eternal son of the eternal father is our prophet our priest and our king because obviously we have old testament types in human prophets and human priests and human kings all of whom fall grotesquely short of how Christ fulfilled each of these offices um but let's get let's get into those a little bit
1: yeah, what well, we see in the Old Covenant that he was active as prophet, priest, and king. Oh, right? snap! <laughs> right, the, the fallen world is immediately handed over to the Son as mediator. Come on. Uh, and for that purpose, for the purpose of atonement and redemption, but in the fullness of time, he who is already the mediator was made manifest in the flesh. Right, 1 John 1. Uh, and that explains why Christ's royal office stands out. In the Old Testament, he is especially sketched and predicted in his kingship with that title, especially as he acts among his people, but that kingship of Christ is very different from that of the earthly rulers. And remember, when Christ came, they were expecting an earthly ruler, somebody to to conquer Rome and to reign in an earthly way. But he his kingship is greater than that, hmm. um, right? It's prefigured in the in the, the, in the um, theocratic Davidic kingship, right? Uh, but also, which, which again is is different from other kings. But it's a kingship. Uh, in God's name, subject to God's will, designed and directed for all things to God's honor. It's not a kingship of violence and weapons. It is exercised... Well, now, granted, violence is going to come <laughs> in the end <laughs> for for those who hate him, but yeah. uh, but ultimately, obviously, this is a peace that goes beyond all understanding. Um, but it is exercised and governed in a very different and superior way. It rules by word, spirit, mm. grace, and truth, by justice, righteousness. All right. This king, Jesus... This king, accordingly, is at the same time a prophet and a priest. Mm. His power is designed to be used in the service of truth and righteousness. Come on, bro. So. <laughs> bro.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. Imagine a king who actually does goodness and righteousness and serves truth.
2: What? Yeah.
0: we yeah. Don't, The world hasn't known one like that. Like, maybe, you know, you could say David, but even David committed absolutely heinous sins and absolutely violated the law of god even david even the the man after god's heart failed but where david failed his son who is also his lord jesus the christ succeeded yeah i i love this man like especially also noting right aside from melchizedek you don't really have a lot of pictures of priest kings. Sure. So by contrast, in the Old Testament economy, the king and the priesthood were very distinct, and the prophets as well, mind you. But speaking of the king and priesthood, I think one of the best examples of that comes from King Uzziah, right? We remember Uzziah, uh, if no other reason from Isaiah 6, that in the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah saw this massive, mighty vision of the Lord who is sovereign still on his throne, even as the king of Israel has died, right? But Uzziah was overall a good king, except his pride got in his way, and he was struck by leprosy because he went into the temple and tried to perform the sacrifice, because he tried to fulfill the priestly role that was designated by God in that Old Testament economy to the priests, to the sons of Levi. Right. And in violating that, the king was struck. Now, Christ fulfills both offices and the office of prophet. Right? Well, the prophet.
1: Right, yeah. right. I was just going to say, not, no single activity of Christ can be restricted to one office. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. His words are a proclamation of law and gospel and point to his prophetic office. Mm. But he speaks as having one having authority. Right? And all things obey his command. And he calls himself a king. Right? Pointing to his, king, his kingly office right his miracles and signs are teaching uh are, are, of his teaching are also a revelation of his priestly compassion yes. right because a, a priest would be in many ways like a shepherd um in his royal in his royal power so like it, when he acts it's it's he's acting as prophet priest and king unanimously um and because he is those things he can it's not like he can escape mm. acting accordingly
0: Right, and his—it's uh, also helpful here. I'm—I'm going to borrow some some verbiage here. But prophet, right? The prophet is the one who brings the word of the Lord to the people, right? The prototypical mm-hmm. prophet of the Old Testament is Moses, right? He literally brings the word of God down from the mountain to the people. He brings the commands of God. So the prophet, and and in the Old Testament, Tony and Jesse have a lot of episodes on this. White Horse Inn talks about this. You'll see this a lot in in Reformed theology, and I think it's. It's a good thing. The prophets are covenant, they're bringing covenant lawsuit against the people of God. They're saying, the law of God said this, you violated the law of God, and this is the condemnation God has brought against you. And here is the evidence of your sin. Repent, turn to the Lord, and be saved. So the prophet brings the word of the Lord to the people. The priest intercedes between the people and the Lord, praying. For God to have mercy upon the people, interceding for them, bringing sacrifices before the Lord to pay for the sins of the people. And the king is the one who reigns over the people and who executes justice in the land, who brings justice to the oppressed, who brings justice down upon the oppressor and upon those who have sinned, right? Yeah. And Christ fulfills all all three offices because in christ right we have the word made flesh we have the word not just the word of god spoken but the word of god lived right in christ we have not just a priest who has to go and th- this is hebrews right he's not just a high priest who uh brings a lamb he is the lamb right right
1: it, it, <laughs> in many ways it's divinely simple <laughs> oh snap <laughs> right right
0: <laughs> Bro, so Christ good. Christ
1: is the, the same yesterday, yes. today, and forever. Come on. He's immutable. Mm. So he, it's not like he's performing prophetic, priestly, and kingly activities, but he right. is those things in and, of himself, yes. uh, in and of himself. Yes. Right? He manifests that threefold dignity. Mm. Right? Um, Bro. Now, <laughs> right, uh, he bears all three offices at the same time and consistently exercises all three at once, or both, or whatever, Yes, but... It's in his, it's both in his state of humiliation as a man, but also in his exaltation, mm. right? So you have that, you have that mediatorship in those offices, in his, in, in his humanity, in his divinity. Uh, Come on. As, as being just who he is.
0: Yes. Right. And, and going back to Hebrews, cause I, I just. Can't stop, won't stop, right? Hebrews chapter four, (laughs) verse 14. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession, right? And so right in there, right in the book of Hebrews, he doesn't say, you got to hold on. You better hold on for dear life. He's saying, look, our high priest passed through the heavens. Mm -hmm. And because we have this priest who is interceding for us, who is our mediator, Cling to him, hold fast to our confession, but not because us holding fast to our confession is going to save us, right? It's because Christ has saved us. For we do not have a high priest, this is picking up in verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy. And find grace in the time of me of need, for every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of on behalf of man in relation to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. Right.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So mm-hmm. also this is verse five of chapter five. So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, "You are my son. Today I have begotten you." and he says also in another place you are a priest forever after the order of melchizedek right this yeah. priest that we that jesus in his priestly ministry and as we said like the, he's doing all these things all the time in the essence of his being this isn't just like something that he's stepping into it's not a vocation that he checks in and out of like 9 to 5 monday to friday and then good luck <laughs> after that like yeah. no he is he is interceding as priest he is prophetically speaking and every word that proceeds out of his mouth, right, is the words of God because he is God and he's yeah. our king. And I love yeah. where it goes on, right? He's the head of the church and he's the savior of the church. He's not, you know, get out of here with your papal authority and your nonsense <laughs> antichrist <laughs> spirit trying to usurp the role of Jesus. Be gone.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Jesus is the head of the church and its savior. <gasps> oh, man. Yeah. Kidding.
1: Well, in, and, and how radically different is he than than any worldly versions of these things, right? Scripture consistently and simultaneously attributes all three offices to him, describes him as our chief priest, right? Our only high priest, our eternal king. Come on. Right? Though he's a king, he rules not by the sword, but by the word and spirit. He's a prophet, but his word is power, and it really happens. <laughs> he's a priest, but he lives by dying. Conquers by Come suffering on. and is an all powerful by his love. Bro, he's always all three things in conjunction, never one without the other, mighty in speech and action, and as a king, full of grace and truth in his royal rule.
0: <laughs> I just can't stop, won't stop with these sound effects because <laughs> uh, our prophet, priest, and king is really amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. In all the True. world. True.
0: Oh man. Bro. True. Yeah, we're not getting past <laughs> Article One today. It's just nope. not gonna
1: happen. <laughs> I was just gonna say we're already 50 minutes in here. <laughs> yeah,
0: and and just just warming up really here. Um yeah, boy. He's the heir of all things, and he's the judge of the world. Right? Mm, so he is. And, and this is something that Paul draws out in the book of Romans and elsewhere. And I mean it's throughout the text, right? But The same Christ who satisfies, right, the same eternal son who satisfies his justice on the cross and judges righteously Mm -hmm. is also the one who became incarnate and suffered on the cross according to his humanity, right? The person of Jesus Christ suffered on the cross for our sins, and yet Christ also comes back to judge, right? If we've read Revelation, we've, we've seen what John describes for us in that Christophany. Yeah. And it is terrifying. (laughs) Sure. I don't want to be on the other side of that. I want to be behind Christ as he walks forth because I'm found in him. I don't want to be on the other end of that flaming sword.
1: Well, but the beauty is we recognize that he just or he he judges justly. Yes. Right. He does not hold guilty, Mm. the innocent and the innocent guilty. Yes. Right. And further than that, he helps, saves and recognizes the just cause of the poor and the wretched. Come on, right? Who are though personally guilty, mm. materially have been made right on his uh, right under his his salvific hand, mm. and so right righteousness is akin to mercy and faithfulness and truth. Yes, but it's always distinct from those things. But because he is a just judge, we can count on him uh, to keep right. Going back to the fact that he, he's our priest, prophet, and king, we can trust that what he says is going to come to pass. And that what he says is true. So, of course, we're in fear. We, we, we don't want to be on the on the side of his judging hand. Mm-mm. But we can trust that we won't be, assuming we love him. Yes. So there's great peace in that.
0: Yeah. We should do a whole episode on, just on assurance. Because. <laughs> yeah.
1: You know who we should have on for that?
0: Oh. <laughs> I wonder who you're about to say.
1: <laughs> the guys from Assurance of Pardon. <laughs>
0: That said, I, I I jokingly threw in that little sound effect, but like, yeah, they're great. And the assurance of pardon is probably one of my favorite moments in our uh, our liturgy or the structure of our Sunday worship, right? Yeah. We gather, we open with prayer, we open with a hymn. We all recite the Lord's Prayer together collectively. And there's a time where the the, the preacher or one of the elders from the front of the church will read from the word of God call to repent and believe the gospel, right? From from all across scripture, there are these passages, right? And so they read, just read the word. And then as they read the word, then we all privately confess our sins to God. And then as a congregation, we either, uh, it's usually from scripture or from the valley of vision, we corporately confess our sin before the Lord. And then they proclaim from the word, the assurance of pardon. And it's so yep. good. Yep, It's so good, man. I love it. But yeah. that is sure. Wait, what is the grounds of our assurance? It's not what Lordship Salvation, in in mm-hmm. its well-meaning attempt to confront antinomianism, right? But it's not what Lordship Salvation says. And that, like, well, if you you really need to make you need to get serious about your faith, and you need to make Jesus Lord, and you need to really like submit everything in all places to Him, or else are you even saved? Like this, this gritting your teeth—that's not the grounds of our assurance. That's a very right. good way to burn yourself out, and and find yourself feeling. Uh, resentful towards the Lord. It's like, um, I was listening through R.C. Sproul's Truths We Confess, which is his exposition on the Westminster Confession of Faith. And he Mm -hmm. talks about this exact point in in such wonderful detail. He says, you know, we we affirm sola fide, but functionally we deny sola gratia. We say, yeah, we're saved by faith alone, but grace alone we don't really like because what do I have to do? Like, (laughs) what am I doing? And we turn faith into a work or like John Piper. Uh, the Federal Vision does this, the Lordship Salvation does this, um, The uh, and it's not to disparage people that are caught in that, it's just to confront the error here, and, and I think our confessions deal with this very well. But these movements have a tendency to put this thing on, uh, your final justification is based on your faithfulness. No, it's not based on my faithfulness. It's based on the faithfulness of the mediator of the covenant. Right. And we're saved by works,
1: but not our works. (laughs) Oh, snap. Right. We're found
0: in the works of Christ. It is in union with the mediator that we have salvation. And the only reason we have union with him is because in him we were chosen before the foundation of the world and the spirit is working that in us. And again, that's not an excuse. We're, We're not saying you've been saved so it doesn't matter what you do or how you live but what we're saying is how we live and what we choose we can't make god love us more we cannot Mm -hmm. we cannot earn his grace by gritting our teeth and clenching our our fists and trying to hold on for dear life like christ christ holds his sheep so rejoice
1: (laughs) (laughs) and walk joyously
0: in the commands of the lord because right his his law is perfect his precepts are perfect. I meditate on, upon them. Right. Psalm. Go read Psalm one nineteen. Right. And pray for yeah, the your, your word to work is out like out us.
1: it's like honey on my lips. Right. Right. W- w- why in the world would that be? Right. The mm. pagan looks at that and says, "Rules, you." Right. Right. And we look at that like God's law is amazing. It's so amazing. Yes. It tastes better than honey. Yes. Right. It's it's something that we strive to and look forward to and desire to do out of the out of the. Out of the will that we now, that we have, right? It's not as though we don't have will, right? This idea is, right, people hate Calvinism because they think we're robots. God has given us free agency. We have a a will to do with what we please, but we're going to do according to our nature and we can only do that which pleases God when he has given us a new heart and a new nature, born again by the mediator, Mm. who intercedes on our behalf before the father, right? And therefore we can freely choose to do these things and we do so out of love and admiration and adoration for our priest, prophet, and king.
0: Mm, Come on. Man, it's so good. Yes. we just sit here. Like, yeah, this Christology series is going to be going for a while (laughs) because, man, it's so good. Like, our, and it touches everything, right? I mean, we've talked about soteriology. We've talked about ecclesiology. We've talked about eschatology. We've talked about the doctrine of God. We've talked about the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. We've mm-hmm. talked about so many. We've talked about Hamardiology, the doctrine of sin. We've talked about our human nature, anthropology. Right? We've we've gone all over the board here, just talking <laughs> about Christ. And this is Article One of Chapter Eight. Yeah, just introducing us to the mediator, the mediatorial work of Christ. Right? But but that's it. I, I, if I could impress one thing upon everybody listening, that that has been life changing for me, literally life changing. It is when we see Christ as our mediator and when we recognize that our union with him is the basis of our salvation and that it's not, that it is truly saved by grace alone, through faith alone, right? Faith is the instrument. It's the means that God is elected to use, but it's his grace and it's in Christ alone, right? John Gerstner had this whole thing about this uh, that, that I'll probably repost on the main page at some point from Reformed Thug Life where they shared it, but... He talks about the Roman error and he says, look, saved by grace alone, but it's by Christ alone, right? Why? Because what is the basis of that? It's not as though God says sin doesn't matter and, and it's fine. No, there was a cost, a terrible cost in the death of the son. And yet it is through his death and resurrection, through that passive obedience to the passion of the Christ, through his suffering obedience, that we are united to him because he humiliated himself. He he chose to be incarnate, to identify with us in a way that is deeper than we can ever understand, so that he could save us. Right. So that He's he, like
1: us in every way yet without sin.
0: Yes. He, he humbled himself, even to death on a cross, for our sake.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Not because yeah. we were lovely. We're lovely mm. because he puts his love upon us. We are lovely because Christ has made us, as the church, his bride
1: right and and let's be careful not to be gnostic right right so often people say well you know there's nothing good in me therefore i, I can never be anything good well that's a tremendous difference. That, that's that's right. a, that's not a helpful right when god created everything he made everything good yes but then we sinned it's no longer quite as good <laughs> and yet he makes us new he's not making new us he's making us new he is restoring us to our place of dignity. He's restoring us to a place of, of, of value because of Him, right? Our value is in Him, but it's because of Him that we have goodness. We can do things that are truly good when we are in Christ, and we can be truly good in Christ. Yes. And, and that's the important distinction, right? Yes. We don't look at the material and say, ew, it's all, it's all gross. Right. But we can look at it and say, ew, it's been ruined by sin. Yes. But then we can say, but look at what Christ is doing. <laughs> right. He's making it new and better.
0: Well, and to those who get into weird, like, problematic Christology, we go back to last week's episode about the Chalcedonian definition, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: He is fully human. His humanity, like he has a reasonable, bo- a, a, a human body and a reasonable soul, right? He, we're not talking about some co- some kind of like human for lack of a better term, it's a little gross, but like meat suit being like operated by a spiritual, like he has a rational human soul. And that's part of our confession of faith because it's imperative that everything that Christ redeemed, Christ redeemed every aspect of our human nature mm-hmm. in his incarnation. It mm-hmm. isn't just that we're now savable. It isn't just that, right. okay, well, well now we can be raised from, from, from death to life and eternity. It isn't, just now that, okay, well, well, one aspect of us. No, every aspect of humanity in Christ is redeemed because he took all of humanity upon himself by taking a full, true human nature. Yes. And I love this. We were talking about um, him coming back to judge the world. I just have Revelation 19 pulled up here, 11. Then I saw heaven opened and behold, a white horse powerful and that so so jesus is both the warrior king sitting on this white war horse with an army behind him with a flaming sword coming out of his mouth with eyes ablaze a cloak dripped in blood coming to judge and make war in righteousness and he has also humbled himself in the incarnation he is gentle and lowly he is near mm-hmm. to the brokenhearted; he binds up all their wounds. This is our Savior. Like people yeah. talk about how how Christ, you know, how Christians get all caught up, and and particularly you talk about theology, right? As we close up here, people say, "Oh, you're, you you love theology; you don't really love Jesus." Okay, well, <laughs> well, tell me about Jesus. Who is he? And you start talking about him. You start doing theology. You start doing Christology specifically, right? But I can't, I can't read this and not get teary eyed thinking about our Savior, <laughs> thinking about who he is and, and all the fullness of his being and that he doesn't need me. He doesn't need me to complete anything in him, but he has chosen and the Father and the Spirit have chosen to save us in Christ. What a glorious hope we have. Yep. That's, yep. Where, that's where I'm at, man. That's so good.
1: That's it. That's it, man. Absolutely. And it's because he lives mm, that we live also. Come on. Come on. Let us never forget that. Amen. There is an empty tomb. Mm. Christ is alive. He sit at the right hand of the Father. He's making his enemies his footstool. Mm. He conquers. He reigns. He is king.
0: Come on. And that's it. I'm almost getting post mill here. We gotta we gotta wrap this thing up,
1: <laughs> uh, guys. Let's keep going. Oh, We're gonna no,
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> no for real. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll pick up the other part of Article One here uh, later ne- next week, presumably. Um, but on that note, Justin, if If the people want more DT content, if they want to jump into these conversations with us, uh, if they want to engage with us, where can they go?
1: Y'all, you can't. We're very private. No, (laughs) head on over to social media. (laughs) Join us. We are on Facebook, of course. Who's not on Facebook. Uh, We are millennials, in fact. And so we are on the social media. Check us out. We have a page you can like, a group you can join. We highly recommend joining the group. Uh, Keep it sage, because it is indeed the most aged stage reformed Facebook group on the internet to this day. Guarantee this it. Way. Um, also check us out on Instagram at distilling theology on Twitter at distilling tea. Um, and we have a website, distillingtheology.com. Blake, if people want more of our face, they want Ooh. more unedited raw content and they want bonus goodies. Where can they join us?
0: Well, for the small price of four ninety nine per month, you can join us on Patreon. That's right, folks. Get early release episodes, video streams, and a discount at shopdistillingtheology.com to get your favorite merch. And there's more merch coming in the in the next coming months. It's going to be amazing. Or if you join us starting at fourteen ninety nine per month, you'll get all that plus exclusive bonus content. And after your first three months, you'll get an exclusive Patreon-only mug. Or if you join us, these are new levels now at $29.99 per month. Instead of a mug, after three months, we will send you one of these amazing Distilling Theology frosted Glencairn glasses. They're my favorite glasses to drink out of. Uh, Mm -hmm. I love them. If you were on Patreon already, you could see the one I'm holding up. Or if you join us at $49.99 per month, and we already have a couple amazing human beings who have jumped in here to help support the podcast at this level. And after three months, they will get, and you too could get, a pair of these Frosted Distilling Theology Glencairn glasses. We are so excited about it, guys. You'd, you'd be sure to head over to patreon.com slash distillingtheology. Join in. You're not going to want to miss it. We get episodes out early. You get video content. You get extended conversations. You can check out our interview with Dr. James Dolezal that hasn't been published yet, uh, and our interview with Dr. Greg Beal about biblical theology. You're not going to want to miss it. And you're also not going to want to miss our friends in the Society of Reformed Podcasters, a network of doctrinally sound podcasts from a reform perspective. The roll call includes the Five Points Church Planting Podcast, Assurance of Pardon, Baptist Broadcast, The Bobcast, Distilling Theology, Fast God Stuff, Fox Den, Grace and Peace Radio, The Particular Baptist Podcast, Reformed Brotherhood, Reformed Raza, Reformed Standard, Restless Small Town Theologian, and Steady Anchor, If you want to get an endless stream of Reformed Confessional Podcast content, head over to reformedpodcasts.com There is an S on the end of that. You're not going to want to miss it, guys. There is so much good content. Go ahead and smash that subscribe button and you will be instantly inundated with the back catalog of all of those shows that we listed. It's so good. It's amazing. We're happy to be there and uh, we're happy to be contributing uh, to a great brotherhood there and, uh, you know, It's super good. The music's getting back up, so I'm going to turn that down because it's time for us to end this show. But, guys, it's been so fun. Excited to continue to talk about Christology next week. But until then, guys, whatever you do,
1: whether you eat or
0: drink, do all to the glory of God.
1: Soli Deo Gloria.